Father, we thank you for this opportunity to study your word. We thank you that your word has no error in it. It's infallible. It's trustworthy. It's also powerful. It changes lives. Through the strength and the power of your Holy Spirit, would that happen this morning, Father? Would we turn from sin and turn towards you as we read that that statement of faith and sanctification, Father? Our desire is that we would look more like you. And so would you do a work through us this morning, through the, the reading and the study of your word? We pray these things in your son's most holy and precious name. Amen. Well, according to an article by Bloomberg News, there are over 48,000 monuments and memorials in the United States of America. And it's no surprise that the city that boasts the most national monuments and memorials with 129 is Washington, D.C. And so this begs the question, what is the purpose of monuments and memorials? Well, the simplest answer is they exist to help us remember. The vast majority of monuments and memorials in the United States are dedicated to men and women who sacrificed their lives to ensure our freedoms, or others who gave their lives to promote a more united nation. This morning we're going to look at Joshua chapter 4, and we are going to see the construction of a memorial. But this is a memorial unlike any memorial in the United States. This is a memorial that is constructed to help Israel remember God's faithfulness. In Joshua chapter 3, the Lord cut off the flow of the Jordan River so that Israel could pass through into the promised land on dry ground. After 400 years of slavery in Egypt, in 40 years of wandering in the wilderness... They have finally arrived into the promised land. Our text this morning picks up just moments after the Israelites pass safely across the Jordan River. So please join me by turning your Bibles to Joshua chapter 4. I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. When all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Take twelve men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them, saying, Take twelve stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you, and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the twelve men from the people of Israel, whom he had appointed, a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, that this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, What do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord when it passed over the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. And the people of Israel did just as Joshua commanded and took up twelve stones out of the midst of the Jordan according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, just as the Lord told Joshua. And they carried them over with them to the place where they lodged and laid them there. 
And Joshua set up twelve stones in the midst of the Jordan in the place where the feet of the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant had stood. And they are there to this day. For the priest bearing the ark stood in the midst of the Jordan until everything was finished that the Lord commanded Joshua to tell the people according to all that Moses had commanded Joshua. The people passed over in haste. And when all the people had finished passing over, the ark of the Lord and the priest passed over before the people. The sons of Reuben and the sons of Gad and half the tribe of Manasseh passed over armed before the people of Israel as Moses had told them. About 40,000 ready for war passed over before the Lord for battle to the plains of Jericho. On that day, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they stood in awe of him just as they stood in awe of Moses all the days of his life. And the Lord said to Joshua, command the priests bearing the ark of testimony to come up out of the Jordan. So Joshua commanded the priests, come up out of the Jordan. And when the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came up from the midst of the Jordan and the soles of the priests' feet were lifted up on dry ground, the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and overflowed all its banks as before. The people came up out of the Jordan on the tenth day of the first month and they encamped at Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. And those twelve stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. And he said to the people of Israel, When your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea when he dried up for us until we passed over, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. This is God's word. Well, earlier I said monuments and memorials serve to help us remember. And the title of this sermon is Called to Remember. Joshua first, Joshua's first act upon the successful crossing of the Jordan River into the Promised Land is to build a memorial. And this isn't Joshua's idea. This isn't just something that he came up with on his own. It is a command from the Lord as seen in verses 2 and 3 of our passage. The Lord says, take 12, stone, take 12 men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them, saying, take 12 stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. Why is this significant? Why, why should we care about this? Well, because we are called to remember God's faithfulness. And if you're anything like me, it is so easy to forget God's faithfulness when I get caught up in all of the stress and the worry of this world. God is giving the people of Israel a tangible monument to serve as a memorial that he was faithful to keep his promises to Israel. Despite all of their sin, all of their doubt... And he is still faithful to his promises today, despite all of our sin, despite all of our doubt and our forgetfulness. 
This morning I would like to present you with four reasons and benefits seen in Joshua 4 of why we are called to remember. And I'll warn you, the first one is the longest, so don't freak out and think, oh my, oh my word, are they all going to be this long? They're not. But point number one, which I believe is one of the most important points, is we are first called to remember God's faithfulness for our children's sake. We see this explicitly in verses 6 through 7, that this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord when it passed over the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. The memorial is to serve as a monument that is intended to trigger conversations with future generations. Imagine a father walking with his son, maybe tending sheep 15 years after crossing the Jordan River. And they come to these, this pile of stones. And the son asks, Dad, why are those stones stacked like that? And now a conversation is open to teach about God's faithfulness. That is why Joshua goes on to say in verses 21 through 22, and he said to the people of Israel, when your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. And isn't that what we are called to do? To pass on the truth of God's faithfulness from one generation to the next. Moses writes in Deuteronomy chapter 6 verses 4 through 9. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children And shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. I have no doubt that your church body serves children and teens well, teaching them the truth of the gospel. But Moses and Joshua do not say that the responsibility to teach children falls primarily on the church. No, the responsibility for raising your children in the truth of the gospel falls primarily on you, the parents. The church's job is to partner with you and to support you. And I'm thankful your church does a faithful job at that. But parents, you must ask, what am I doing to teach my children diligently? What am I doing to ensure that my children are called to remember God's faithfulness? Do you have stones of remembrance in your homes? Things that point to God's faithfulness. And if you don't know where to start, 
ask your church leadership. I know Ben and the elders would love nothing more than to see families in your church have rich devotional lives together. Rich Christ-centered conversations at the breakfast or the dinner table or in your child's bedtime routine. Your children are being taught lots of things. The question is, what are they being taught and who is doing the teaching? Memorials are intended to spark conversations. And I got to experience this firsthand with my daughter last year when I volunteered to help chaperone Summit Christian Academy's sixth grade trip to Washington, D.C. My mother's father fought in World War II and survived. My father's father fought in the Korean War and also survived. I have many family members that have faithfully served in the military, but no one that I personally know has been killed in action. But I knew we were going to visit the Vietnam Memorial Wall in D.C. And so my daughter, Noelle, and I asked my mother-in-law if she knew anyone who had fought and died in the Vietnam War. And she said, yes. There was a boy in my high school that I knew who fought in Vietnam and he died. She gave us his name and how to locate it on the Vietnam Memorial Wall. Robert W. Abernathy. And we found it. But what was most interesting to me was how emotional my daughter was. Not to tears, but you could tell that she hurt for her Nana, who lost her friend who she knew as Bobby. But then the coolest thing happened. The memorial created an opportunity for my daughter and I to talk about war and death. It created an opportunity for us to talk about the greatest enemy, sin, that causes things like war to happen. Architect Maya Lin may not have had spiritual conversations in mind when she designed the Vietnam Memorial Wall that has 58 thousand names etched into it but that is exactly what it served for my daughter and me an opportunity to talk about the gospel the lord instructs joshua to build a memorial of 12 stones so that future generations can be taught and reminded of god's faithfulness in the jordan crossing And if you believe God has been faithful to you, are you following this example of remembrance and sharing stories of faithfulness in your life with others? What stones of remembrance do you have in your home that call you to teach about God's faithfulness? That's point number one. We are called to remember for our children's sake. Secondly, we are called to remember God's faithfulness to fight sin. When do you struggle with sin? When you're diligently following the Lord and being reminded of His goodness in your Bible reading, while you're praying, or in your discipleship group? No! James 1, 14 through 15 says, But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. 
then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. You fall into sin when you fail to remember God's faithfulness. And instead, you follow your sinful desires. And James warns us that that brings forth death. Do you want life? Or are you happy indulging yourself in and playing with death? Because when you indulge in sin, when you fail to to pursue the sanctification that, that, that we recited together, you're playing with death. Joshua 4, 19-20 tells us that the place the stone memorial was erected was at Gilgal. It says the people came up out of the Jordan on the tenth day of the first month and they encamped at Gilgal on the east border of Jericho and those twelve stones which they took out of the Jordan Joshua set up at Gilgal. But Israel, much like us, fails to remember God's faithfulness and they fall into sin When they cross the Jordan and they enter into the promised land, they encounter people that live in the area that worship false idols. And so many of the Israelites turn their backs on God and they embrace this worship of all of these false idols. Very much like like we're tempted to turn our backs on God and to look like the world and to do the things that the people of the world are doing that say will bring us happiness. Or make us feel good. And so we indulge in those sinful practices, much like the Israelites did, who fell into the temptation of idolatry. The place designed by God to serve as a memorial of His faithfulness later becomes a place of corruption because of Israel's sin. Hosea 4.15 says this, Though you play the whore, O Israel, let not Judah become guilty. Enter not into Gilgal, nor go to Bethavin and swear not as the Lord lives. And then two times in Amos we hear this. In Amos 4.4 it reads, Come to Bethel and transgress to Gilgal and multiply transgression. Bring your sacrifices every morning, your tithes every three days. And then Amos 5.5 5 says, But do not seek Bethel and do not enter into Gilgal or cross over to Beersheba, for Gilgal shall surely go into exile and Bethel shall come to nothing. How had a place that God intended to be a place of memorial become so corrupt? And the answer is simple. The people failed to remember. And sin ensued. And so I employ you this morning, remember. Remember God's faithfulness to you and fall not into temptation. Peter tells us in 1 Peter 2, 5, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house 
to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Just like the 12 stones that Joshua laid that called the people to remembrance, we need to remember that we, the church, we are living stones. You are living stones that are being used to bring glory to God. And one way we bring glory to God is fleeing from and fighting against sinful temptations. Thirdly, we're called to remember God's faithfulness to help us overcome trials. Joshua 3 explains the great power of the Lord in cutting off the Jordan River. And this week in our text, in Joshua 4, we read uh, in verse 18... When the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came up from the midst of the Jordan and the soles of the priest's feet were lifted up on dry ground, the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and overflowed all its banks as before. Through God's faithfulness and power, Israel entered the promised land. Stop and think about this for a moment. How powerful God is that he can cut off the flow of a river so that people, his people can pass on dry ground. Does it say muddy water? He cuts it off. This is a powerful God. A nation that was once slaves are now heirs. They've inherited the promise of the promised land. Israel's story is our story. What do we have to fear when our faith is firmly rooted in the truth that the God of angel armies goes before us in parts, seas, and cuts off rivers so that we can pass safely through? Whatever trial you are facing today, Whatever fear that has a grip on your life, whatever suffering or hardship you are experiencing, remember, remember the God who is faithful to keep all his promises and is faithful to see us through our deepest sorrow, our fear, and our weakness. And the Lord commands Joshua to lay out 12 stones as a memorial so that the people won't forget. The stones in and of themselves don't possess power, but they point to a God who possesses all power and sovereignly controls all things. Fourth and finally, we are called to remember God's faithfulness so that we can be a witness to the world. What do we have today to look at to see and remember God's faithfulness? Well, God has given us two primary ways to remember his faithfulness today. And they are the Lord's Supper and Baptism. The Lord's Supper serves to remind us that God sent his son Jesus to this earth to live the perfect life that we cannot live to meet a standard of perfection that we are unable to meet. And then after 33 years of perfect obedience to his Father, 
Jesus went to the cross where he bled and died, offering himself as a substitute for the punishment that we all deserve for our sin. And if we repent of our sins and we put our faith in Jesus Christ alone, we can be forgiven our sins and have newness of life. That's what the bread and the wine or the juice represent. His body that was broken for us and His blood that was shed for the forgiveness of our sins. And those that have put their faith in Christ can taste and see that the Lord is good through the Lord's table. And baptism serves as the sign that we are cleansed by the blood of Christ. When a believer in Christ is baptized, they are declaring that their faith is solely in Christ and that their sins have been washed by Jesus. That their sins have been washed white as snow. If we have faith, then seeing others getting baptized or remembering our baptism should fill us with joy and should increase our faith. The two sacraments of the Lord's Supper and Baptism are New Testament monuments of memorials that we can look to today to remember God's faithfulness. There are other ways that we can remember God's faithfulness. Like this. This is a jar that I keep on my desk in my office. And on the lid it says, June 16th, 2018. That was my first day on the job at Peninsula Community Chapel. And my predecessor, Dan, recommended that I get a jar and anytime something extraordinary happens in ministry, I put a stone inside the jar. Each of these stones represents a person that has either given their life to Christ or been baptized or taken the Lord's Supper for the first time. And I keep it on my desk to remind me of God's faithfulness, that He is faithful to take people from death to life, that He is faithful to to call the prodigal back to Himself. Because the reality is, In this job, and I'm sure in your lives as well, we see a lot of brokenness. And when those moments of despair come bearing down on me, I hold the jar. I take it off my desk and I hold the jar and I remember God's faithfulness. And I pray for the strength to carry on. Because our God is a faithful God, is He not? And we must carry on. We must carry on because of what Joshua says in in the final verse of chapter 4 in verse 24. So that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty. That you may fear the Lord your God forever. If we fail to remember we will fail to share the good news of the gospel with our family, our friends, our neighbors, our co-workers, 
in the world. That is why the memorial stones were laid in Joshua chapter 4. That is why we have the Lord's Supper and baptism in, in jars of rocks or whatever it might be for you. So that we won't forget. We must not forget God's faithfulness. We are called to remember so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the Lord is mighty and salvation can be found only in Him. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank You. We thank You that You are a God who is faithful to all of His promises. And we thank You, Father, that You are the same yesterday, today, tomorrow, and forever. You are not a different God in the Old Testament than you are in the New Testament. You are the same God that is faithful to keep His promises. Israel's story of you keeping your faithfulness is the same as our story. You are a faithful God. The only difference is Israel looked forward to promises that would be fulfilled. We look back to Jesus on the cross. And the promise that was fulfilled that you would send a Savior to rescue us from our sin. And so, Father, would that radically change our lives? Father, would we put our faith solely in you? Would you reveal to us sin that we have in our lives, areas that that, that we fail to remember your faithfulness when sin creeps in? holes that we have in our lives, opportunities that we haven't taken to to share your faithfulness with others, with children, with our own children. Would you encourage this congregation, Father, to remember your faithfulness? Would you encourage them to continue to teach the children the truth of the gospel? And that they would encourage one another, that that peers in this church, men and women, would have relationships with one another, that they would be in, in small groups, in discipleship groups, reminding one another of God's faithfulness. So that we would flee from sin and that we would turn to you. So I pray all these things in your son's most holy and precious name. Amen.